good morning, friends. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a real honor and privilege to be able to sit up front um, because you hear your voices. And that was awesome to hear you guys worship like that. I mean, it was beautiful. So if you want to hear beauty, come on down front now. All right, here you go. All right, it was awesome. But uh, well done. Hey, we're going to jump into our last uh, message for our four-letter words this morning. But real quick, i got a couple things I want to take care of housewives for us. And that's if uh, Pastor Brandon runs this month our Next Steps class, which is some of us are like, oh, I signed up and I totally forgot to go to that, which is all right. Jump in step uh, number two, which is next week. But this is not, let me clarify This is to help you discover who God created you to be and discover your purpose. Did you know that 90% of followers of Jesus have no idea what their spiritual gifting is? So when we come into salvation and we follow this guy by the name of Jesus, when you follow him, the Holy Spirit is on your life and he gives you a supernatural spiritual gift. That's why we call them spiritual gifts. 90% of followers of Jesus have no idea what that is. Pastor Brandon will help you discover that and how you can unleash this compassion, not only in our church, but in your community and even globally. It's a great class. And a lot of people sit there and go, oh, I thought that was a membership class and I'm already a member. It's not a membership class, but if you go through all four weeks, you can become a member. So I've had a lot of conversations with people say, I want to be a member of your church at Radiant Life. And I'm like, great you got to go through this in order to become a member. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you, Mom. One. (laughs) That's not my mom either. I I already saw my mom. All right? So does that make sense? If you want to become a member, this is not a membership class, but it's a requirement to be a member at Radiant Life moving forward. Does that make sense, everyone? Even say yes if you're like, no, it doesn't. All right? Here's the second quick announcement. This Wednesday is our first Wednesday. And here's what we do on the first Wednesday of every month. We have a thing called First Wednesday, right? We take a time out in the busyness of our week and just give one hour of praise and worship and prayer. One hour. It's from 6 to 7 o'clock this Wednesday night. And if you're a young family and you've got little kids, you say, well, what do I do with my kids? Don't worry. Our Radiant Kids team will be in the back ready for your kids to come so you can come and just get a breath of fresh air in the middle of your week, all right? Here's what's also, a lot of people want to say, when does Radiant Life celebrate communion? When do we have communion? Always we have communion here, always. So if you're always wanting to know, why don't we get communion more often? We serve it always on the first Wednesday of the month. Always you will have communion here. And next week we're having communion as well on Sunday morning, just to let you know, okay? But when do we have communion? Always on first Wednesday. So that also sits there. I know six to seven. Hey, we can do one hour, right? Some of us are like, I give God an hour already. I come on Sunday morning, right? How about two hours this week? All right? I know some of us are like, we got to pray. This is why we keep our lights up. We blare music. So you can have prayer time. We have prayer guides. We have things for you. And I promise you, 25 minutes of prayer goes like that. Sometimes I leave, I'm going, I wasn't done praying yet. And the worship team already came up and closed us with a song. I'm not done yet. 
It's good. Here's what's also cool. I'm just talking to you as a friend. Um, sometimes we have a full team. Sometimes it's just JB and his guitar. So we have variety to help us also. So I want to really encourage you, first Wednesday, this, this Sunday, yeah, this Wednesday, first Wednesday, six to seven, and there's things for kids. Lastly, Hope in the Dark, this series is a brand new series we ki- I kick off next week for us, and it's a three-week series, okay? It's more of a three-week experience for us. You do not w- want to miss any of those three weeks because week one builds for week two, week two builds for week three. And here's what we're going to do. Many of you already got an invite card. Maybe two weeks ago, it was somewhere that you probably sat on and maybe perhaps given it out or whatever. But as you exit, there's tables there with more invite cards for this series. Invite someone. I'm going to give you guys the heads up, because I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Is that this entire series for the three-week experience is going to be different. The stage is going to look different, and I'll give you this heads up. The first two weeks, all acoustic sets for us. Completely different. So if you do invite someone, you now have the heads up, go, hey, and our worship is going to look a little different than normal. It's going to be awesome. We're going to experience Jesus. It's just going to look a little different than normal. And you got that invite card. Does that sound good, friends? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Come on. We're living in dark times, friends. Come on now. We need hope. We have hope, and his name is Jesus. We got to give it to the world. All right. And not just the world. How about in our neighborhoods and in our community where we live right now? And in your workplaces and in your schools. You have it. Let's go give it. All right. Last four-letter word of our series. You ready? All right. We kicked off this series 10 weeks ago. Can you believe it's been that long? 10 weeks ago we kicked off this series. And I explained that we're like a tube of toothpaste. Right? You know when you squeeze toothpaste, you can't get that thing back in the bottle? It already came out. There's nothing you can do. And a lot of times when life and pressure gets to us, we get the squeeze on and things come out of us. Some of you, not so good things come out of you. Perhaps certain four-letter words that your mama would use a bar of soap in your mouth if you said those around her, right? Some of you are very fluent in those four-letter words. What we want to do this whole 10-week series, that's funny. You guys aren't laughing. That was funny right there. Come on. Ah, just play along with me, right? Even if you don't think it's funny, laugh because I preach better. Okay, here we go. But there are other four-letter words we want to get inside of us that reflect more of who Jesus is. So when life does put the squeeze and we're stressed out, that naughty things don't come out, Jesus begins to come out. And here's the final four-letter word for our series is live. So I want you to high-five three people around you and say, Time to live, baby. Time to live. Three people, real quick. (laughs) We only have a short season in Michigan where we can actually kind of like high-five each other because then we hit flu season and we don't high-five for many months at Radiant Live. We just, a lot of people ask, I like high-fiving. What happened? It's the middle of winter. Germs are everywhere, right? We don't have bottles of hand sanitizer all over the place. So that's why we do it in the summer and spring and beginning of fall, and then we take a break from high-fiving. It's fun. Hey, can I just, we ought to enjoy church, right? Too many people just endure it and get nothing out of it. And the, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. There's joy. God created it. We ought to be the most joy-filled people on this earth. Here we go. 
Woo! I'm fired up. Can you tell? That's like six cups of coffee this morning, too. That, that's, that's caffeine and Holy Spirit right there, baby. I don't know what's coming out more. All right. All right. Woo! All right. Get back on track. Hey, if you want to follow along, if you got your Bible, tablet, and your phone, you want to turn to the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. And um, I'm going to unpack some things before we actually dive in there, but it allows you to turn there. I think some of us aren't living to the full potential that God created you to live. I think for some of us, we're settling for a life of status quo, and God created so much more for you. And I think one of the greatest Christian tragedies in our life is too many Christians are tapping out before God's done with them. And we are entering into the story in 2 Kings where we kind of see this picture play out. Jesus died a heavy price. He died for you and I. And one of my favorite verses of all time, John 10.10, I've come to give them life and life to the full or life abundantly. And I think too many of us are missing out on that. We're missing out. In 2 Kings chapter 13, we have a, a king on the throne of the nation of Israel. And he's on the throne. And what he looks out as he sees is there's a vast army out there. And he's going, uh-oh, I'm going to be destroyed. And he has wisdom. He says, you know what? I can't beat this army alone. I am going to die in the midst of this. I got to call a godly man to come and give me wisdom on what to do. So he gets a guy by the name of the prophet, by the name of Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha. And Elisha comes and he gives the king wisdom on what to do because the king is freaking out, I'm going to die. And look at 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 15. Here's what Elisha is going to say. Elisha says to the king, get a bow and some arrows. And so he did. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Aramians at Aphex. So here you have the king that's overwhelmed by the army, we're done. We're done for. Elisha, come. What do I do? Elisha says, grab your bow and arrows. Let's open up that door. Just shoot one. He shoots one. And Elisha declares victory. And then the story takes a weird turn. You're like, that should be it, right? And the story, look at the turn in this story. And then he said, Elisha, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And he struck it, how many times, friends? Three times. And then he did what? He stopped. One, two, three. I'm done. And then the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. 
I think that is a mere image of many followers of Jesus today that we tap out before it's over. We give up. We go and we're seeking God and we're praying and praying and praying and we stop before the miracle actually happens. If we just would have pushed on, if the king would have just keep striking the ground, but the king stopped. And I think there are three sneaky roadblocks that come into a believer's life, a follower of Jesus' life that holds us back from completely living the life Jesus Christ died for. Are you ready, friends? Ooh, that's bad. <laughs> Let me try that. Are you ready? Because they're in our lives. Here's the first one. It's fear. There's some of us who are absolutely paralyzed by fear. And I'm not talking about you're scared of spiders and snakes. Fear. I'm talking about true fear that sits there and goes, I'm afraid if I take that step, there's unknown there. This is that fear that God is calling you to a different career move in your life. And you're like, I'm so comfortable here. I'm scared to take that leap of faith. For others of us, it's that fear that God's saying, hey, go live your faith boldly. What happens if the person at the water cooler thinks I'm a weirdo? I don't know how about that. I'm good with my quiet little faith, God. It's that fear that puts a wall that I'm like, you don't want to move because you're so afraid on what's the other side. And I love what the writer Paul writes to this little pastor, I call him little all the time, I don't know why, little Timothy. And he says, Timothy, remind the church that you're pastoring. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, for God has not given us the spirit of what, friends? Fear and what? Timidity. The spirit of God is not a fear and timidity on your life. Oh, no. The spirit of God is a power and love and self-discipline. That's what the Spirit is on your life. And so many, too many followers of Jesus are living so fearful that they're not living out their faith. That spirit of fear is from the devil. The Spirit of God is a power and love and self-discipline in your life. In fact, I want to read it from a, a language that Pastor Josh kind of introduced me to recently. It's called the Hawaiian Pigeon Language. You can actually get this on YouVersion Bible app right now. Don't do it yet because I don't want to see a bunch of heads trying to find it because you will enjoy this. It literally is a true language of the Hawaiian people. Yes, they speak English, but they got a little, little groove to their English, okay? But watch the Hawaiian language of this verse here. And he says this, and we're going to have, it's a little bit fun, okay? Here we go. Because you know the spirit that God, when sent for, take over us guys. They take over us guys. That not kind of spirit that makes us stay scared every time, right? It's that spirit that is fun, I told you. It's that spirit of fear. It's only in the New Newer Testament, by the way. They haven't translated it yet in the Old Testament, all right? So uh, some of you are looking right now. You're like, I want this language. Hey, that spirit that God sends us that's over, that take over us? It takes us over. It's not a spirit that makes you scared all the time. No, 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 no. He went send the kind of spirit 
for take over us guys, but make us come what, friends? Strong. It is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit that comes on your life of power and strength and love. It makes you strong. Too many of us have that spirit of fear. And if you're wrestling with that this morning, step through fear to your freedom. You have to resist the enemy who the enemy wants to take you out. Put, what he, the enemy wants to do is gather all the believers of Jesus and say, hey, stay right here, paralyzed. Don't do anything for his kingdom. And I think for some of us, he's doing that, exactly, exactly that. You're here. Step through that fear and experience the freedom of Jesus Christ in your life. Amen, friends? Amen. That's fear. Here's the second sneaky roadblock that keeps us living the life that Jesus died for is pain. And I'm not talking about the pain that like bee sting or a, a doctor's needle in our hands. I'm talking about real life pain. I've had a lot of pain in my life. I had my brother-in-law killed in a motorcycle accident on July 4th when I was 18 years old. That hurt. Many of you know that story. My sister, as part of her recovery, became a drug addict because she was dealing with the pain. Not only did she become a drug addict, but my sister started manufacturing that stuff to deal with pain. There's real life pain. When I was in college, and many of you have heard this story, my college, there's four of us, our four, three of my great college friends in an apartment. My college roommate was killed in a car accident on Black Friday. He was helping his brother, who was the Toys R Us. Remember that store, Toys R Us? His brother was the manager, and he was helping his brother on Black Friday. Came home, have no idea what happened, but he crossed the center line, hit another car head on, and died. And I remember coming back from Thanksgiving break. I, I remember clear as day, going and entering our room. And uh, Lucas, Lucas, dude, he's, he was a crazy guy. Loved Jesus, was going into ministry, and he always did like the Seinfeld, like, who's that tall guy on Seinfeld that always opened the door and like made his appearance, you know? Kramer. He was our Kramer. He did that every time he came in the door. It's like, what are you doing now, Lucas? Like, just come in like a normal being, all right? He always had to make that entrance. It was awesome. But I remember clear as day going back and sitting down, and all of it, we had four desks in the main room, and then our living space and bedrooms, and I remember sitting down and my desk and his desk was next to mine. My other two roommates' desks were right behind me and knowing this desk would be empty the rest of the year. And then going into the room where we had two rooms and going into one of them, myself and my other good friend Dave were in one. Lucas and Rob were in the other one and Rob now, the bottom bunk would always be empty. I remember going to his funeral the three of us coming up together to his casket that was open. And just seeing, wow, life's short. There's so much pain there. And looking at his mom and dad, <laughs> watching them weep, knowing they're burying their son at the age of 20. There's pain. I've been through one other 
very painful, probably the most painful experience, and I've shared this, of my wife's miscarriage of our son. And then sitting down and having to tell my daughter and my son, your baby brother's not coming. (laughs) And what happens in our lives is we enter pain. Sometimes we just stay there. We stay there and we wallow in it. But the hope is, as the psalmist writes in Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the what, friends? The brokenhearted. You've been there? You've had your heart absolutely ache? Listen, God's promise is he's with you. He's close to you. And he saved those who are crushed in spirit. And Psalm 147 reads this, he heals the, there's our word again, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. His promise to you as you experience pain is, listen, I'm close to you and I will heal you. So what happens is the devil sits there and says, hey, stay alone in your pain, wallow in it. But instead, may we step through and allow pain to produce intimacy to draw close to Jesus, to draw close to your creator in those moments when life is so heavy. Don't run from Jesus, run to Jesus. Run to him. Let your pain produce intimacy with him. And here's the third and final sneaky roadblock. And if I'm honest, this one, I just want to tear off the mask for a minute and say, this is where I'm at. It's failure. My biggest fear in life is failing. Because I don't want to fail God. And I carry this weight every week leading this church. Because heaven and hell are realities and people's lives matter. And I want to light up the scoreboard in heaven and make that scoreboard smaller in hell. And I carry that with me. And I do not want to fail God. And it's my struggle. And here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, hey, we're hunted down. There's going to be seasons in your life where you're going to be knocked out and down. But listen, You will never be abandoned by God. Even when you're struck down and you feel like you're in the valley and you failed, God is still with you. And then he says, we get knocked down. Remember that song back in the 90s? Yeah, remember that? Some of you are like, what just happened, right? (laughs) What was that? You'll get hunted, you'll get knocked down. But listen, even when you get knocked down, God's promise, you're not destroyed. You're still there. And if you're a sneaky roadblock from living the life God's called you to be, if it's failure, listen, it is an event, never a person. Never is it you. The enemy of your soul wants to say, hey, you messed up, you failed, you're a horrible person. And if you know the gifts of the spirit or the, the, the armor of God, if, if you know that, the helmet of salvation, you put that on over yourself because you have an enemy who wants to tell lies to you, 
Who wants to say, you're a failure. You messed up. You're an ad addict. You're addicted to alcohol. That is who you are. You're a gossiper. You fail. But we put on the helmet of salvation and realize, not today, devil. That is not me. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of the God of God. I am redeemed. I am loved. I am cherished. I'm forgiven. I get knocked down again and I get back up. I am, I'm a person who God gives second, third, fourth, fifth chances. That's the God we serve. And you got to wear the helmet of salvation. Because the devil will say, that's who you are. No, we may have failed at that thing but that is not your identity. So three sneaky roadblocks that hold us back from living the life that Jesus died for. Fear, pain, and failure. And the enemy will use each and every one of these to say, hey, stop living the life Jesus Christ died for. And the writer of Romans no matter what we're going through, the writer of Romans says this. In these things, we are more than what, friends? Conquerors. conquerors. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're a conqueror, baby. Turn to that neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a conqueror, baby. Men, be careful with that baby word to other women. All right, there we go. <laughs> you are more than conquerors. That's who I am. I may get knocked down. I may be in a valley right now. I may have fear, but I'm going to step through freedom. I may be experiencing pain, but I'm going to allow that pain to produce intimacy because God will never leave me nor forsake me. I am more than a conqueror. And going back to that story, for the king, he sat there in life and took his arrow. One, two, three, I'm done. And no, Elisha says, keep striking. Don't tap out. There's more. There's more for you. And my prayer and heart for all of us is that when we take our last breath, that in our hand, we'll take our last arrow out of our quiver and we will strike that last arrow that we have. And that when God says, hey, your mission here on earth is over, time to spend eternity with me, we can go and say, God, my quiver's empty. So friends, keep striking that arrow. When the devil wants to knock you down, you get back up and you strike and you strike, you strike and 